0: Feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show.
1: And in just a few minutes, we are going to have Congressman Lee Zeldin joining us here on the Rita Cosby Show fresh off what was a blockbuster debate last night for the New York governorship. I mean, you think about the stakes could not be higher. New York is a bluer than blue state, but after tonight and after what we have seen, even in the last few days in some other races, there could be a red wave. Where do you see it headed? And do you think that New Yorkers, a want to change And there were so many lines last night in the debate, the New York governor's debate. Everybody's talking about it because there were so many fireworks between both of the candidates. I thought it was a great debate. I thought there was a lot of great exchange. But I also thought it gave the chance for both of them to answer or not answer certain questions. And I thought one of the most astounding moments in particular was when essentially Lee Zeldin kept coming back at Kathy Hochul saying, you know what? Why are you having such a hard time saying that criminals should be held accountable? Why? You know, he gave her every kind of opportunity to say, don't you think that there should be repercussions? Don't you think something should happen to soft on crime Alvin Bragg? Don't you think he's part of the cycle? Don't you think that if you're going to fight gun crime, uh, you need to obviously talk a lot about Making sure that repeat offenders stay locked up. Don't you need to look at the victims of crime and see the numbers? And she, to me, seemed very disconnected to the point where she was sort of smiling and acting like, What crime? What economy? What inflation? Um, And there were a lot of things that so far in now, it's been a little over 24 hours, uh, the reaction has been really, really strong. And most of the people, have been praising Lee Zeldin because they felt his energy, his points about crime, his focus on crime. Also, I'm glad that the debate started with crime and continued with crime because that is a huge issue. And the fact that Kathy Hochul, all she kept coming back to was Trump, 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 guns, guns, guns. It was like a broken record. And then she, of course, called him an election denier, a climate denier. Uh, A woman's rights denier. I mean, she, everything was denier, denier, denier. And yet, on the other end, if you look at the way that the tea leaves are, Lee Zeldin said, look, I would on day one declare an emergency on crime. I would immediately get a handle on crime. I would immediately get rid of Alvin Bragg. And all she could say was, we're trying to get guns off the streets for some reason. And to me, this was stunning that she kept avoiding the fact of saying we have to have severe circumstances and penalties, especially for these repeat offenders. She finally got around to it. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But the fact that it took her so long to get there and even when she did get there, She barely got there because her comment was, I don't know why this is so important to you, Lee. I don't know why this line matters so much to you. I don't know why crime is such a big issue, basically. When you say something like that, and we're going to play her exact comment shortly, that to me was really bad because the headlines were, Kathy Hochul wonders why we're talking about crime. Well, we're talking about crime because we all see it. We all feel it. There's not a single person who walks down the street of New York that doesn't experience it. It's happening in big cities across this country. And to me, it showed such an unbelievable disconnect of what is going on in the reality. And I actually thought for someone who is a seasoned politician, a seasoned politician of essentially crime, um, of dealing with crime, uh, economy, dealing with all these different issues, you can't be – In the governorship, if you haven't talked about any of these issues, you know, or at least aware of it, you see the headline. She looks at everything. She looks at the New York Post. And yet she danced around every time Lee Zeldin kind of put her in the corner and said, why are you not answering this question? You know, uh, why are you not talking about the punishment that criminals need to face so they understand not to do crimes again? Because it's clearly this repeat offender cycle that we are seeing over and over again and and I thought Lee did a great job because it was like, thirty minutes in, she's finally like, well, uh, 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 I mean, to me, it was astounding. First off, here's just a little bit of the exchange, just on crime in general. Here is Lee Zeldin talking about cashless bail and the role of Hokel.
2: Well, listen, you ask the will of the people, they want to see reform. Even Mayor Adams says that judges should have discretion away dangerousness. I don't think that if you're two Mexican cartel drug smugglers busted with $1.2 million worth of crystal meth, that you should just be instantly released on cashless bail. Now, Kathy Oakle supports Castle's Bail. As soon as it got implemented, she was out there bragging about it. She chose the champion of the defund the police movement and the architect of Castle's Bail, Brian Benjamin. Yeah, that guy who got arrested and had to resign. That was her first big decision to make him the lieutenant governor. We need to repeal Castle's Bail. We need to repeal the HALT Act. Amend raise the age and less is more. We need to make our streets safe again. I'm running to take back our streets and to support unapologetically our men and women in law enforcement enforcement. And all Hochul could say was guns, guns, guns.
3: Take a listen. First of all, you can either work on keeping people scared or you can focus on keeping them safe. I have worked hard to have real policies that are making a difference. And as you mentioned, that data is still being collected. But I did focus on bail reform in our budget. That's why the budget was nine days late because I insisted on common sense changes. But there is no crime fighting plan if it doesn't include guns, illegal guns. And you refuse to talk about how we can do so much more. You didn't even show up for votes in Washington when a bipartisan group of enlightened legislators voted for an assault weapon ban. I mean, we lost another child and a teacher yesterday in St. Louis because people will not support what I was able to get done here in York, and that is a ban on assault weapons for teenagers. You can't even do that. It's, It's quite extraordinary, but it's about getting the guns off the streets. That's the first start. We have more to do But I'm the one to do it.
1: It was just guns, 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 Trump, Trump, Trump. And she barely could get out anything unrelated to that. And joining us now is Lee Zeldin fresh off what I thought was a terrific debate by you, Congressman. Really great to have you here.
4: Well, it's great to be with you. Thank you.
1: Yeah, How do you feel? How did you feel after the debate? I don't know if you heard my analysis, Congressman, but I've been saying you know, it was like she was like Trump, 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 guns, guns, guns. And to me, um, Congressman Zeldin, this was the defining moment. I want to play this um, for you. And and you lived it. We all lived it with you because we were watching it. I was watching the debate intensely. Um, but here it is. You kept coming back at her and, and giving her every chance in the world to kind of give an answer more comprehensive than we're taking guns off the street. She seemed to refuse to go after uh, strengthening, Al, you know, going after Alvin Bragg. You've said you'd remove him day one. Uh, you seem to refuse to talk about repeat offenders. Finally, after you brought it up about 20 times, this was like this weird, tepid answer. Here it is. And this is where I actually think she lost the debate. Take a listen.
2: This governor, who still to this moment, we're at, what, we're we halfway through the debate. She still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes.
3: Okay. Anyone is- who commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change they made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important to you. I
1: don't know why it's so important to you and consequences.
3: To me, it, I was sitting there listening
1: as someone who sees the unbelievable crime, and you know it firsthand, Congressman, it seemed so disconnected from the reality of what we're all experiencing. Even when she finally got there and you gave her every chance in the world to get there, you kept asking her, she kept tiptoeing. And when she finally got there, it was tepid. And it didn't seem like someone who really is going after crime and criminals head on.
4: Oh, it's totally out of touch. I'm not just wondering why locking up criminals is important to me. It's also showing just how disconnected she is to all of the many millions of other New Yorkers where it's really important to them to be locking up the criminals. As you point out, with how she only wants to talk about guns And you have people getting pushed in front of oncoming subway cars. They're being stabbed. They're victims of machete attacks. They're being uh, punched. There are people who have gotten beaten to death on the street with hammers. I mean, there have been all different kinds of crimes. You have small businesses dealing with the constant looting that they'll experience uh, every day or at least a few times a week. And that that impacts their bottom line. There's all different kinds of crimes. And New Yorkers want to see the bad guys getting locked up for it. And she you know, she actually put out two and a half weeks before an election. She has this press conference this past weekend, and she says that her the plan is about the three Cs, care, cameras, and cops. What about cuffs? What about handcuffs? What about the people who are are repeat offenders? And they're still out on the street committing additional crimes, doing additional harm. What about the district attorneys who are letting violent criminals run free? What about castles bail and raise the age and less is more and the discovery law changes in the HALT Act? What about the HALT Act? We have correctional officers and other prison staff and, oh, yes, even inmates getting assaulted more since the April 1st implementation of that. She doesn't want to talk about any of it. So I think it just shows not just disconnected to understanding where I'm coming from and Gosh, I had a gang-related drive-by shooting in front of my house three Sundays ago with my 16-year-old daughters sitting at the kitchen table on a quiet Sunday afternoon doing homework. Why is it important to me? Beyond what happened to my family is that I see this happening all across not just New York City, but across New York State. I am in the Syracuse area tonight where we just did a rally in the family of 93-year-old Connie Torrey. They lost Their loved one was murdered by someone released on cashless bail. They don't need to be lectured on how there isn't enough data. They're still mourning the loss of their mother and grandmother. So give me a break with this nonsense. I believe that if she's refusing to secure our streets, to hold rogue DAs accountable for refusing to enforce the law, standing up to the pro-criminal allies of hers in the state legislature, she has to go. And we have to restore balance. We have to take back our streets.
1: Were you surprised that she didn't have even a better response on it, uh, Congressman? Because you I come back that she, you kept saying, and and rightfully so, I thought it was a great strategy and just an important point on your point that she was still kind of, you know, you know, dancing around it. And her answer was still very much, you know, oh, there should be consequences. I didn't even get any comfort when you finally pressed her to get there. And and she kept sort of sitting back like, look at my record. And a lot of New Yorkers are going, we are looking at your record, and that's why we're concerned.
4: Yeah, exactly. And she's still not talking about locking up the people who are committing the crimes. And there's a lot that she was not saying, and it was purposeful. It's not that she forgot on the first, second, third, fourth question, and back and forth on crime that the criminals need to be held accountable. She didn't just forget that. It's a purposeful strategy. And as you played in one of your clips, her first big decision when she became the governor, and she acts like she's uh, she was been elected to you know, her 14th term, and she's just in a cakewalk to being uh, a governor for a 15th term. She's never even been elected governor. She was a lieutenant governor. She was elected lieutenant governor, and then she became governor to finish the remainder of Andrew Cuomo's term. Her first big decision was to pick a lieutenant governor, and she picks the champion of the defunded police movement in Albany. She picks the architect of Tashla's bail who had all sorts of his own legal issues. That's why he resigned and had to you know, face what was criminal charges for bribery for his own issues. My, de- my big decision of picking a running mate, a candidate for lieutenant governor, I picked Allison Esposito, 25 years in the NYPD, commanding officer of the 70th precinct in Brooklyn. She picks Brian Benjamin. So from one decision to the next, the way that she has completely mishandled all of these issues, while New Yorkers are seeing videos of people getting hurt, they're seeing the stories in the news, they're reading about it, they're hearing about it on your show, they see the pictures for themselves, they see it on social media, they are fed up and they realize that they do not have a governor who has their back, who has the back of law-abiding New Yorkers. And the state doesn't have a governor who truly has the back of law enforcement, our amazing, dedicated, selfless men and women in blue.
1: Absolutely, 1,000%. And everybody, we're talking to Congressman Lee Zeldin, who I thought had a terrific debate last night against Kathy Hochul. Um, you know, I want to ask you uh, before I let you go, and I know you're so busy, so we're so glad you're here on the show, Lee. Um, but what's your strategy? Because now it is, you know, two weeks. You've got less than two weeks now uh, before Election Day. It looks like the momentum is definitely on your side. Um, you look at the polls. You have absolutely closed the gap. It was a big gap because she was the sitting governor. You have closed that gap. Uh, what's your plan? And for folks listening out there, how can they how can they help you?
4: We have the momentum, we have the energy, we have the issues on our side. To truly save our state, Kathy Hochul needs to be fired. One-party rule needs to end. We need balance and common sense in Albany. Anyone who wants to get involved, whether you want to volunteer, you want to be able to donate $5, go to com. Z-E-L-D-I-N-F-O-R. New York is spelled out. com. Sign up. We're on social media as well. As far as our strategy, I started today in Glendale. We did a press conference at a gas station where they're struggling through all sorts of crime. We almost had a criminal incident take place uh, right there at the gas station with a confrontation that was going on right next to the cameras. Can you imagine what, what is possible when you don't have the security there, you don't have the media cameras? They just had three weeks earlier, one of their employees Attacked right there while we were having the press conference. On top of all the crimes to get committed a few times a week, uh, and then I got on a plane and I came up to. It did a fun, uh, a, a big rally outside of. Uh, it, well, I it was inside of Oneida County, and uh, we had strong support, massive turnout. The room was packed out. Went to the Syracuse area to Liverpool. Uh, we had hundreds of people there as well. Tomorrow we continue with the rallies. We're, and we'll have press conferences. We continue to weigh on on these issues. We're working as hard as we possibly can from the moment we get up to the moment we go to sleep. And anyone out there who wants to help, please do the same. Take nothing for granted. Work hard for this. There's only 13 days left. Tell everyone you know, social media, email, text, word of mouth. If you can knock on doors, sign up to knock on doors. You make calls. Sign up to the, to make those calls. This is a team effort, all of us together, all in, 62 counties. And at the end of the day, if we do what we need to do, we will be able to save our state. Our state is at a crossroads. This is our opportunity to fix it. And we can't let this opportunity slip through our fingertips.
1: Well, Congressman Lee Zeldin, you had a blockbuster debate. You have uh, had just such an amazing campaign. And I have been saying there looks like there's going to be a red wave, I think, in New York, and you could be spearheading that uh, big, big time. Uh, we wish you so much luck. you got to come back on again, Lee, and congrats on everything. And again, everybody heard LeeZeldin.com. Uh, thank you so much, Rita. Thank you so much. Thank you, Congressman. And everybody, when we come back, we're going to take your calls. one 800
0: The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: And you just heard from Congressman Lee Zeldin, who I thought had a fantastic, forceful debate last night, and I thought, and we're going to talk about this in the next hour, I thought it was great because... He was able to go after the governor on issues of crime where I think she has fallen woefully short. She even her answers, I think, fell short in that arena. And there were some good exchanges between the two of them. And that's what I think debates are all about. In the next hour, we're going to talk about the Fetterman debate because there are so many questions about his health, because given his... Lack of fitness, if you will, for office and issues that we clearly all saw last night. There wasn't a lot of chance for this mano a mano process with the debate. But I thought Lee Zeldin continued to press her and press her. And her answers, I thought, on a number of things were thin, thinner than I had even expected someone who has been in office now for some time. Uh, Let's go to Norm uh, real quick. Norm, your thoughts real fast.
4: Oh, Rita, I loved your interview with Lee Zeldin, and I love the passion of this man. Change is coming, Rita, but we, the callers to ABC, cannot be complacent. We have to get out and support him, go to rallies, and you can find info about that on ZeldinForNewYork.com. Get out, get out the word, volunteer, and contribute. We do this, and we will be a shining state and city once again.
1: Hey, just like the shining city and... uh Shining country on the hill, you know, we've heard that line, which is a great one, Norm. And you know what? I agree with you. I loved his passion. I loved his fight. You want someone who's going to fight to make things better. And I thought Kathy Hochul rested on her laurels.
0: This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby
1: Show presents... And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the show where we honor our great law enforcement and their families, we often talk about what's happening at the border and just how dangerous our open border is. Case and point, here's a powerful story of what happened and how amazing our law enforcement is at the border. Sheriff's deputies in Texas, in Kinney County, have saved the lives of two illegal migrants, who were trapped in the trunk of a burning vehicle. The dramatic rescue happened east of Del Rio on Tuesday following a pursuit that ended in a crash. One of the deputies initiate initiated a stop for speeding before the driver of the vehicle, a male citizen, tore off. The driver then lost control along a curve. He crashed the vehicle, which burst into flames. Deputies rescued two migrants inside the trunk of the burning vehicle when they suddenly heard people screaming from the trunk. Ultimately, they rescued the two illegal immigrants who were inside it. The driver, by the way, fled the scene of the crash, eventually was tracked down with a helicopter, and he was taken into custody. Uh, By the way, uh, they frequently find migrants who are hidden in vehicles. This isn't uh, the biggest one in terms of numbers. Uh, Texas Department of Public Safety found over 100 migrants in a dump truck driven by a U.S. citizen recently. Uh, fortunately, also in this case, uh, no reported injuries. But wow, it just shows how amazing and how difficult the work is at the border. By the way, this week, you know, I also do podcasts every week Um, called Protecting America, and I interviewed Tom Holman, who is the former head of Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And we talked a lot about just how risky it is, not just for obviously the migrants, but for law enforcement right now on the border with these historic numbers. And we're going to be sharing some stuff on that later on in the week um, as we'll be posting the brand new podcast. Tom Holman is one of the best of the best, former NYPD, former New York cop. Um, also a former like top border official, and he just describes how dangerous it is for those who are protecting the border and also for the migrants who are trying to cross as they see a neon sign that the border is wide open. Well, one of the issues that came up, of course, in the debate last night uh, in New York, they didn't really get to border. They did a little bit, by the way. They did talk about migrants. I should say they did because they talked about them coming to New York. And the whole issue of how Governor Hochul was upset uh, when it was Governor Abbott putting them on buses, but didn't really say anything when it's the Biden administration or the Democratic mayor of El Paso. Um, And I thought Lee Zeldin did a very good job of highlighting uh, the uh, hypocrisy, the utter hypocrisy. How's that of uh, the comments by the governor and just how obvious it is? Uh, That she was upset when it's a Republican with a much fewer amount of migrants that were coming into the city. Meantime, they also talked so much about crime. They also talked a lot about the economy and inflation. And these were issues that Lee Zeldin is really passionate about. You could just hear and you can hear it even in the interview we just did. He is on fire in terms of wanting to change New York and change the course and change this mass exodus that we're seeing out of the state of New York. I mean, it has the biggest population loss of any state in the country. I would say that's nothing to brag about. And so it's interesting that after the debate, there have been a lot of interviews with people. I always wonder how much do debates change things. I actually think they change things dramatically, especially because right now a lot of people, maybe you've made up your mind, maybe you're on the fence or you're leaning one way or the other, whatever the case is. Sometimes when you see the two candidates together, you see the way that they handle situations, you see the way they answer questions, Uh, you see their demeanor. A lot of these things all add up and certainly their policies first and foremost or the deficit of certain policies first and foremost. And it's really powerful because after the debate last night, there have been a number of individuals who are Democrats and independents who have come forward and said, you know what? I like Lee Zeldin. That's what they're saying. They said, you know what? They didn't like that Kathy Hochul they felt sort of sat there, and I described it last night, and I've heard others describe it today as sort of a Cheshire cat, sort of sitting back too cool for school. And then you've got Lee Eldon who came out hard charging and kept trying to get answers from her on crime, and she still came up short, I think, in a lot of arenas. And so this is an interesting uh, clip, and I wanted to play this because... I wanted to hear if there's anybody else out there that sort of feels the same way. This woman is a Democrat. She's been a diehard Democrat. Um, she's run for office. She supported Democrats. Her name is Maud Marin, And she said for the first time, she's actually flipping and she is going to vote for Lee Zeldin. Take a listen to her talking about this earlier today.
5: There are a lot of Democrats supporting Lee Zeldin right now, and I think a lot of parents and everyday New Yorkers who see what's going on. um, Our city is less safe. It's certainly less clean. It's less affordable. um, And that's the result of the policies, Democratic leaders, many of whom I voted for, many of whom I contributed to, um, that they brought to our city. Um, And I think when you're an adult and when you're a pragmatist, Uh, You say, I thought this was going to work. I thought these ideas sounded good, but they haven't worked. They haven't made our city better or safer or cleaner. And so it's time to change course. Um, We should vote for what's good for our city, not whether or not someone has an R or D next to their name.
1: And by the way, I 1000 percent agree. You guys have heard me here on the show um, that I am a firm believer in voting for the best person. You know, you might have a proclivity to one thing or another or devoted to a party, but you should be devoted to who you think is going to clean up your community, keep you safe, uh, bring more money back into your family um, and do the important things that you absolutely care about. Law and order, I think, are really number one. And you can even see it on the debate last night. It was the lead topic by far. And I thought Lee Zeldin just came out full of energy on that. And I thought many thin answers from the governor. And if I thought she was a blockbuster, I would have said it. Um, but I didn't see it. And I said it right after it happened. And I feel even more so today because sometimes you sit back and I've been looking at it even more. And it just reinforced what I thought. And this diehard Democrat, Maud Marin said the same thing. She thought that Hochul... And basically, her history of what she's done on crime and the economy um, was nothing for her to be sitting back on. Take a listen. Again, this is a diehard Democrat who says for the first time she's voting Republican and she is now voting for Lee Zeldin.
5: The Democrats have a huge advantage in terms of registration. There are a lot of people who are just used to going in and voting a straight Democratic ticket. Um, I used to do that. But I think at this point, there are people who may, maybe don't want to say out loud that they're going to vote for Lise Zeldin or, or that they might just choose to stay home. But the Democratic Party, and Kathy Hochul in particular, hasn't offered us any real plans. There's a reason she keeps talking about abortion in January 6th and Donald Trump, because when it comes down to the things that New Yorkers really, really care about, crime, learning something from all the COVID lockdown mistakes that were made, the economy right now, which is making New Yorkers flee this state, her record's a disaster.
1: And she brought up the fact that all she did talk about was the election, Donald Trump. You didn't hear any new answers from her. You just heard these kind of repeated lines that clearly somebody gave to her. And she must have said Trump election denier. I don't know, at least 10 times uh, in some shape or form. You know, it was like uh, good morning election denier. Good evening, Trump election denier. You know, but here is just a little taste of her with her nonstop going after Trump and election denial, as opposed to denying the fact that she wasn't even answering about crime. But take a listen
3: in Lee Zeldin's world. You overturn elections you don't agree with. You basically heard Lee Zeldin say you would vote once again to overturn a presidential election. I think that's something everybody should know. Setting aside an election is something you want to do. He helped him on January 6th by supporting it with the overturn of an, turning up an election. You know, I know you're an election denier, but also a climate change denier. You know, you've been an election denier, a climate change denier. You and Donald Trump were the masterful COVID deniers.
1: Wow, if there was anything else to deny, she would have put it in there. Uh, But she seemed like she was still in denial about crime. And actually, that would have been a good comeback for Lee to say, you're denying that crime exists. You're denying that inflation exists. That would have been a perfect response because it's like, whoa, everything was Trump, 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 Trump. And she clearly was trying to deflect, deflect, deflect. Meantime, Lee Zeldin stayed laser focused on crime Take a listen, here's one of the issues where he went after her.
2: You know, it's amazing that we're gonna be able to go through the entire crime conversation of this debate. And we're still waiting for Kathy Hochul to talk about actually locking up criminals. I mean, people are at home waiting for action to make sure that the handcuffs are going on criminals instead of law-abiding New Yorkers so that people can go walk the streets of Manhattan instead of having to call an Uber just to go two blocks because they're afraid. People who have changed their behavior, they're not riding the subway at the same hours. Maybe they're Jewish, they take their yarmulke off because they're afraid of being attacked. Maybe there is a woman, they tell me these stories of having to hug a pole or grab a guardrail because they're afraid of being pushed in front of an oncoming subway car. There are criminals out there who need to pay the consequences for their action in Instead of the catch-release policies that Kathy Hochul champions.
1: And this was, I think, the moment where I think it spelled disaster for Kathy Hochul. Because as you said, you just heard Lee there saying, you know what? You know, you won't talk about this. You won't talk. She kept dodging and dodging. By the way, that's where the moderators should have said, Governor Hochul, with all due respect, he has asked you the same question seven or eight times because clearly she didn't answer it. I would have intervened as a moderator. I've moderated a whole bunch of very spirited debates. I would have said, you know what? Governor Hoke? with all due respect, he's asked you a question. He's asked you several times. You need to answer. What is your answer? He had to press it. And in many ways, it was good that the moderator didn't for Lee because it forced her to have to respond directly to him. And I thought her answer literally, I think,
2: uh, sealed her fate. Take a listen. This governor, who still, to this moment, we're at, what are we halfway through the debate? She still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes.
3: Okay. Anyone is- who commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change we made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important to you. I don't know
1: why it's so important to you that criminals have consequences. That to me is disastrous, and that was the headline in many papers today. Understandably. And by the way, last few headlines, uh, our great newsman, Bob Brown, always gives me some of the latest great updates. Uh, just mentioning that a police saw a serial groper, uh, that they actually got this groper under arrest tonight, charged with breaking into a New York City apartment last week, groping randomly a 73-year-old woman in her bedroom. Just kind of randomly. I mean, it's like these random crimes. By the way, another headline today, eight innocent bystanders in one month, caught in the crossfire of New York City's out-of-control shooting surge. I mean, in just a month, people hit by stray bullets in just the last month alone, including a retired officer, a grandmother, and a 16-year-old. Is there anything else? The headlines are over and over again, and she seemed to be completely disconnected and wanted us all to believe that crime doesn't exist. It exists. We see it. We feel it. And I think her denial of it uh, could seal her fate. And the fact that she's I don't know why you're asking about crime. I don't know why you're, you know, asking about criminals. Yeah, there should be consequences. I, I mean, to me, her answer was so thin. She should have said, there these people who are repeat offenders, they'll be locked up. They will pay. We need to send them a lesson. This will not happen, blah, blah. I mean, even some crazy political answer, even if it's not consistent with her record. She didn't even do that. And so the headlines today are saying, you know, I don't know why it's important to you that you're talking about crime. You know, I mean, to me, that is disastrous for this governor. And to me, I actually thought she did much worse than I had even expected of somebody who's been in politics for a while. I thought she could do a little bit more rope-a-dope. And instead, she didn't do it. She didn't barely get in the ring. one 800 848 Eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to uh, Corey on line eight. Corey, your thoughts about the debate?
6: Yes. How you doing, Rita?
1: Good. What did you think? I thought, by the way, I thought Zeldin really came out swinging. I thought he had energy, and I thought she just looked uh, lackadaisical.
6: Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, he came out. He he put it to bed. Let's just let's just say that he put it to bed. And I think, without a doubt, uh, it was a strong move. Uh, I wanted to comment and say, I don't know how much time I have, but I wanted to comment and say that I think he needs to continue to go strong with this. I mean, obviously, he has his people that are in control of his uh, campaign, but I hope it gets out there that he just continues to put out everything he can because he's got the momentum He's got to keep it. And I think you're going to get those independents. You're going to get those Democrats that are kind of like, uh, I'm Democrat, but I'm not sure, or I'm not going to tell my family that I'm voting the other way kind of thing. And, and if this momentum continues, it, it will really, really change something. I, I live in Rockland and I also wanted to make a comment if I can, Uh, Rockland is going to hold a Republicans as suffering new york republicans uh meeting at a place called and suffering on tuesday november 1st i believe it's seven o'clock is the time uh i know you can double check that but that's something because rockland county is a huge county that needs to be looked after they have a lot of corruption there with democrats and they need to come back we used to be a very strong republican uh county and there's still a good a lot amount of uh republicans there but that a county like Rockland, so close to the city thirty minutes, you need to grab these people, you need to make them understand. Most of them work in the city or at least dawn near close to it. And it's and huge. It's, and it's by huge. the way,
1: yeah, I agree with you, by the way, Rockland's a huge county and you're right, a very important county. Um, The other thing, too, Corey, is obviously uh, it's statewide for Lee and for Governor Hochul, for the congressman and and for her. How did you think, real quick, you hit up an interesting, another point that I thought um, Lee Zelda made some inroads on the governor on. And there were a lot of questions also, in fairness to the moderators. um, They asked some pretty powerful questions about questions of her ethics and her spending and in particular Uh, you know, the hundreds of million dollars of deals um, to, you know, somebody for the Buffalo Bills stadium. And it seemed to be like a no bid, like suddenly, uh, uh, you know, without anybody's uh, input and without anybody challenging it, it kind of goes through. Um, They kept kind of hammering her and she kept saying, I have never, um, you know, done pay for play. I've never done this. But there were a couple areas there where there were enough of those questions. Do you think that that also raised doubt with people watching that, oh, you know what? She's not really tough on crime. And there's a lot of questions about ethics around her. There certainly were in the debate last night.
6: With Without a doubt. It makes you wonder, is she in bed with people who uh, are for people who are committing crimes? And for what reasons why? It It's without a doubt makes too much sense to turn around and hear her As an elected official, or I'm sorry, she's appointed, right? But either way, as an official that's up there to say, well, criminals will be prosecuted, uh, dot, 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 and all that she was saying. No, you commit a crime, you do the time. Where is that saying? Let's bring that back. I think Lee Zeldin should bring that up. You commit the crime, you do the time. Let's bring that back because she didn't want to do it. And is it because she's part of it? Because too many people are in her hands in her her pocket that are committing crimes, whether they be white collar or subway type crimes. Let's be honest. There's something else there. It didn't. I I, I consider myself common sense and it didn't seem right. Yeah, it was awkward. It didn't seem right the way she sounded.
1: I agree. And you know, what's funny. I'm a big believer in sort of body language and watching. And it was fascinating to see her being responsive to that because it was those were questions from the moderator and she just seemed uncomfortable with the answer and it's an obvious question because these questions about it have been out there for a while um and yet her answer wasn't sufficient it was like i did this i did this just believe me next and it was like as opposed to if somebody's falsely accusing you Uh, pay for play of using millions of dollars, millions upon millions, hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars to curry favor with somebody for donors, I would say, I want to look you guys straight in the eye and say, this is not appropriate. I did not do it. I don't like being accused of it. I have done blank, blank, blank. And I and look at and I trust me, I blah, blah, blah. I, I just didn't see that passion. And it didn't give conviction to your point, you know, in terms of her voice. It didn't give like a like, wow, I really believe her. Um, and not that not that I'm accusing her of that, but it just she left it hanging. And and I think that that's not a good thing. She left a lot of moments hanging. And again, the big headline. I don't know basically why it's so important to you, Lee, uh, about locking up criminals. Well, I can tell you why it's important to all of us that criminals get locked up. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. And also, I'm going to just take a little step back because today we said basically our final farewells to one of our great colleagues, Bernie McGurk the honor of being there at St. Patrick's Cathedral. We're going to talk a little bit about that and also continue your calls because uh, Bernie loves politics, Bernie loves politics, and Bernie love life, and we're going to talk about that when we come back.
0: The Rita Cosby Show. for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org.
1: And in the next hour, we're going to continue with your calls about the Zeldin Hochul debate, also talk about the Fetterman-Oz debate, more questions about his health. Boy, what a wacky debate that was. Um, And I just wanted to take a moment, everybody, here on the Rita Cosby Show to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of the great, great fans of WABC, where you know this show is based for the Red Apple Audio Network. The reason I say that today, we had a really moving day at St. Patrick's Cathedral. The place was packed, and also thousands, they said more than 3,500, were actually streaming this online as we did a beautiful, beautiful memorial mass for our beloved colleague and our dear friend, Bernie McGurk. Uh, Bernie, of course, was a mainstay. Of course, for so many years on the I Miss Show, also part of the blockbuster Bernie and Sid number one show in New York on WABC. And he passed away recently. As many of you know, today would have been his 65th birthday. And so we all came out to just honor him and his incredible life. And just some beautiful comments from Bill O'Reilly talking about their shared Irish roots and their shared Irish upbringing. Congressman Peter King also said some beautiful words. Um, Curtis Lewa also talked about Bernie. Um, Bo Deedle talked about bringing over pasta and everything else and just their special bond and their love. And, of course, Sid Rosenberg losing a friend, colleague and brother. And Chad Lopez and John Katsimatidis at the helm, of course, of WABC and Red Apple, just saying that he was not just, you know, a colleague He was our family. We love Bernie, and I want to say thank you to all the fans who came out. So many of you there were with us watching online and in person, came over to me afterwards, and all I could say was thank you for appreciating this incredible man. We love Bernie, and I loved meeting all of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I know your name is Rita because your perfume's smelling sweet since when I saw you down on the floor. Guitar,
1: and we are talking about the great debates. By the way, everybody gotta check out my Twitter feed because I just mentioned about Bernie McGurk. I am broadcasting now from the newly named Bernard McGurk Studio at 77WABC. And I just posted a picture on my Twitter feed. So go to at Rita Cosby on Twitter to see a picture of me right there in the action at 77 WABC. And also, of course, most importantly, how beautiful that we are now honoring our dear friend and colleague, Bernard McGurk, with the big, big studio here. Studio A, the grand studio at 77 WABC, named after one of the greatest broadcasters and greatest human beings ever, Bernard McGurk. So we just put up a picture so you'll see the plaque. We just literally put it up uh, a few hours ago and so neat. I just noticed that it was on there. Got to make sure I shine a great light because I loved Bernie so, so much. And it will put a big smile on my face every night when I come in here and see that plaque and just think of one of the greatest guys who made all of us laugh and all of us smile. Well, one thing that certainly Fetterman should not be or his team is smiling after last night because, boy, I thought his debate was horrendous against Mehmet Oz. I thought, listen, I give him credit that he got up there and that he was able to debate um, a guy who had a stroke not that long ago. That was impressive. It was amazing that he got through it. And later on in the hour, we're going to take your calls about that debate. We want to continue because we got so many great calls about Zeldin and Hochul. We're going to continue on that. And then we're going to move on to Fetterman later on in the hour here on the Rita Cosby Show. But first off, the thing that's so interesting, we all saw the Fetterman debate. I mean, the guy could barely speak. He opened with saying, you know, hi, good night, everybody. As soon as he said that, I was like, oh, boy, how is he going to make it through an hour of this? My goodness, this guy's like all over the place. And he was saying good night when it should have been good evening. You know, it was like, how is he going to be there? What are they going to do on the Senate floor if he ever got elected? Do you think the Senate floor is going to have closed captioning? Do you think any press conference he's at, they're going to have to have closed captioning to have a two-way conversation? They're going to have there's so much vocalization that you have to do as a member of Congress and debate and quick thinking on your feet. And he just didn't have it with all due respect. And it was painfully obvious to a lot of people, including Clay Travis, who was on Fox today. Take a listen to how he described Fetterman's performance.
4: It's the single worst debate performance I have ever seen in my life. And and look, we knew that John Fetterman was a disaster when it comes to his policies. I mean, this guy is a Bernie Sanders clone. But for him to go out there and be unable to essentially speak or communicate was an indictment of the entire Pennsylvania Democrat Party I thought it was an indictment of his wife who allowed this campaign to continue.
1: You know what? It's an interesting point that Clay brings up about his wife because he had a stroke before the primary. So this is him rehabilitated and doing better. Can you imagine what he must have been like the night before the primary? Quite frankly, I agree with him. He should. He, the wife should have said, honey, you clearly have enormous health issues. You shouldn't run for the good of the people of Pennsylvania. Let Connor Lamb, who was a more moderate Democrat, let him go in the primary. You know, I mean, let him boost himself up because he probably would have won. But at that point, guess what? Fetterman was kind of acing him out. And as we know, he won the primary. But had Fetterman not been in that one, likely Connor Lamb, a more moderate, would have elevated. And then... The people of Pennsylvania would be able to see at least a a decent debate last night with two people exchanging ideas and able to converse. So I feel like they did a terrible disservice. And all I could think about was Joe Biden sitting in his basement. I'm thinking, what the heck is going on with the Democratic Party? You got a guy in the basement who hides out. And maybe that's why Fetterman's wife was thinking, gosh, honey, maybe you should stay home. Oh, no, no, no. Joe Biden won the presidency hiding in his basement. Maybe we can keep you hidden. And that's why he purposely didn't want to do a debate until now. He waited till the last minute, as did Kathy Hochul, which we'll get into in a moment, because Lee Zeldin wanted multiple debates. He thought, you know, New York won. He thought just one debate. The people deserve more. She kept hemming, hawing, hemming, hawing, only would agree to the one finally, right? And then finally he agreed to the one because he wanted one. He understood, but he wanted more than one. Fetterman barely even wanted the one. He kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And now we know why. Because he was just so abysmal, and he knows that if people saw him, they'd be like, what's going on with that guy? But guess what? Not everybody sees it like we do. This is interesting. Sonny Houston, on The View, I couldn't believe this. She actually thought last night at the debate with Oz and Fetterman that Oz was a bully and Fetterman is a a rocket scientist. Take a listen to this analogy.
3: It was really strange to me that he chose to bully a stroke victim. Yeah, right? Exactly. Like he obviously was bullying him. And um, you know, I don't think the people of Pennsylvania or the people in general um, liked that, because Fetterman raised one million dollars after that debate. And I think it takes real courage to show that you've been knocked down. I think it takes real bravery to allow people to see your weakness,
7: right) and,
3: um, we know that Fetterman's cognitive abilities have not been compromised. It's about expression right. that, that has been Aphasia. compromised. Aphasia, exactly. And, you know, this is a smart guy. This is a smart
1: guy. And by the way, maybe he is a smart guy. I don't agree with a lot of his policies. I don't agree with his philosophy of letting go convicted criminals. So there's issues beyond that. But for her to make it sound like Oz was beating up, in fact, Oz wasn't even talking about it really. It was the moderators who were asking the obvious questions. And quite frankly, if I was moderating, I would have kept coming back at him. He refused to release his full medical records last night because guess what? We know what they're going to say. And that to me is unfair to the people of Pennsylvania and the people of America because that could be a swing. If it suddenly goes to Fetterman, that could change and basically seal the fate for the Democrats to stay in power in the Senate. Right now, it is a Republican seat under Pat Toomey. Pat Toomey is leaving. It's an open seat. So it's a huge seat that's not like tiddlywinks. I mean, this is a big, big deal. So that's why it's so important that you have somebody who can converse. Even if I don't agree with his policies, you got to be able to present your policies and be articulate and think clearly and respond clearly and be able to, to manifest it. So there are so many issues here, and I can't believe The View thinks that Oz was, like, beating up on him. What, just because he showed up? I mean, that's crazy. I actually thought he didn't go after it enough. I think he didn't have to because it was so obvious. We all saw it. We all saw it, and that's what's astounding. We're going to get to that later on in the show because what a contrast that debate was from, like, uh, like, you know, robots because even the moderators were speaking slowly so he could keep up, and so the computer— the closed captioning could keep up with their translation. By the way, Fetterman today and his team complained about the closed captioning, said he didn't do well because they said the closed captioning wasn't working well. It was slow. Guess what? star that broadcasted, came out and said, no, no, no. There were rehearsals and it was done exactly as it was at rehearsals and it was perfect. So it's everybody else's fault. Sound familiar? I think he's taking lessons from Joe Biden. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Meantime, we continue to talk about the Zeldin-Hochel debate because the headlines are all saying, Kathy Hochul doesn't want to basically talk about crime. Why are you talking about criminals being locked up? That is not a pretty headline because crime is engulfing this country, sadly. And it's not just, by the way, in New York. It's all over. There's a story today. This was shocking to me. And this is why it just is astounding that Democrats in general are so focused on going after Trump. They're talking about abortion, as we saw her do last night. But they are also refusing to kind of confront the issue of crime and these repeat offenders and these crazy random crimes. We just talked about the fact that eight innocent bystanders in just the last month In New York have been caught in the crossfire of New York City's out-of-control shooting surge. There's this wild footage that took place in Pasadena, California, of some woman who's dressed up. She looked kind of nice. She somehow, she brought a pickaxe. She just randomly shows up at somebody's house and starts smashing windows. And there's a grandmother who is babysitting a newborn just inches away from one of the windows that suddenly smashed in. Can you imagine? You're sitting at home. And suddenly somebody randomly it was a total random act happens to walk up your street well dressed and starts swinging a pickaxe breaking into your windows of your house. Like it's like a scene out of a horror movie. It is the most frightening thing. But to me, it epitomizes that people have lost their mind and crime is out of control. And we need to do something about it. We need to get tough. And that's why I tell all of you law and order is on the ballot. Whoever is going to keep you safe, that is who you need to vote for. And you need to come out on November 8th because a lot of these races have already had early voting. Fetterman race, they've been early voting already for several weeks now. That is that is the travesty of that debate last night. He went out on a debate last night knowing that already for a month they have done early voting in the state of Pennsylvania. 625,000 have already early voted. Many of them are Democrats and he knows it because he knew probably a lot of them might not come out for him once they saw that debate. In New York, early voting starts on Saturday. So get out and vote. Do not take anything for granted. If there's a candidate out there that you absolutely love and that you think is going to keep you safe and keep your wallet safe, Make sure that you get out and you tell your friends to get out. You cannot take it for granted. Things are just on such a downward spiral, and I can't imagine it getting worse. But sadly, I can if the wrong people stay in office. 1-800-848-9222. one 848 uh, Let's go to Tony, line 7. Tony, your thoughts from New Jersey. Go ahead.
7: Hi, Rita. I saw the, there's so many different facets. To this, it was very exciting. And, and Lee Zeldin did amazing. And the, the, the piece that I want to talk about is, to me, it was crucial that for those people who are diehard Democrats and trying to be loyal, because loyalty is a good thing to your party if they're good to you. I really wanted them to show her, and Lee did it by his question, to show her as being totally Biden. She's a political machine. She's not interested in people. And that's really where he did a great job. And for that reason, they only gave him one one debate because she was getting ready to break. And I think one more debate. I don't know if she was medicated. She was just cracking because she knows her job is just to be a party girl. And it, and it shows. She doesn't care about people and she just cares about the party. This yeah. You know what? You know what?
1: Through. You're right. She I thought it was interesting because they came to her and said, would you vote for Biden again? And her right. answer was exactly like you're saying, Tony. Her answer was yes. In fact, uh, in fact, we have it, Tony. Let me play it and then I'll get you to respond because you hit a very important point. It was like, no matter what, he's the greatest person. And that's what I felt like a lot of her answers. it It, it almost encapsulated, as you, I think, brilliantly pointed out. Sort of her no matter what, I'm going to be Democrat, Democrat, even if the policies stink. And it sort of was the same way even on migrants, because on the migrant issue, it was aptly pointed out she didn't say anything, um, you know, when it was Democrats sending migrants to New York. But she said something when it was Governor Abbott. And would you call Governor Abbott? That was a great question, I thought, by the moderator. She's like, well, maybe if it could help. But I'm not really sure because of the, you know, animosity. It was like it was such a hogwash political answer. Here is the Biden exchange you talked about, Tone.
3: Do you want to see Joe Biden run for reelection? Yes, I do. He has delivered for the people of this country in ways that we still don't know the benefits. Um, yeah,
1: we don't know the benefits. By the way, I agree with her on that, Tony, because I don't know the benefits of how he's
7: delivered. Do you? Here's here's my thought on that. The, this country has come out of two years of pandemic. We're in a crime wave. We're all broke. This, this, this is totally unacceptable. And yet there are so many people who are still thinking, I'm going to be loyal to the Democrats. So my hope is that we, I wanted him to just, make her crack, like, on Perry Mason. Like, why do you want to have the criminals on the street? Why do you want to have the criminals on the street? So he was trying to get her to answer, but nobody would reinforce it. But, but I was because, glad, by the way, said, I'm
1: glad that he stuck at it, though. That was the good thing, Tony. That <laughs> He kept at it. Tony, great to get your call. That was terrific. Thanks so much. Let's go to Phil on Line 5. Phil, your thoughts about the Zeldin Hochul debate?
8: Uh, I caught part of it. I... Uh... <clears throat> I turned away from it because it got a little bit crazy. Uh, first of all, I don't think that Selvan is going to win. It's going to be very, very
0: close.
1: Now, why, now do, realize- why, why don't you, Phil? I Put it this way. I think if you look at the demographics of New York, um, yes, it's tough for a Republican to win. That's why it's been a long time since a Republican has been in the governor's house. However, One thing that I thought was interesting, Phil, last night, um, and we heard Zeldin articulate this, he brought up, you know, the sort of the 1994 moment is what he was referring to, sort of skyrocketing crime, um, time for a change. And that sort of ushered in the Pataki wave and sort of saying, let's do Pataki again, in other words, you know, um, who I think was a good governor and many would say on on many accounts um, because things were so bad with crime and the economy. Um, that that this is a time to to not, you know, do your typical voting, New York. Do you think that's effective? And and maybe I thought he did have a strong debate performance. The polls are showing it as tight. Uh, momentum's on his side. Phil, I say do not rule him out. Go ahead, Phil.
8: Uh, basically, you got to realize that you have a lot of people in this city, New York City, that are working at home. They don't go out in the street. But you, you know why out. they don't
1: go, though, Phil? Because they're too scared they're right to. Phil, they're too scared to. Half of them. Do you blame no, them? No,
8: no, no. You're not. You're not letting me explain the rationale. It's very simple and very quick. These people have very little contact with the outside world. They get. They get their grub hub. They get all these deliveries. They've got everything online. The bank. The bank has their money. They're not worried. They don't go out that much. And if they do, they go out. Maybe a very short distance. They don't go more than four or five blocks, and they go right home. The problem is, Delvin is preaching uh, a philosophy which is is good, but the problem is, New Yorkers. By look, look at it this way: How many New Yorkers have gone out and complained about uh, that DA, that DA Bragg, and the uh, and Letitia James? Nobody, nobody. So you expect the tidal wave to go against her? Ain't going to happen. She's She's
1: in for good. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. See, you know what's interesting, Phil? I would say if crime was not so horrible, if the economy was not so bad, um, that you are right just based on the demographics of New York. I think this could be a sea change moment. People are fed up. And I hear what you're saying. People are sheltered. So maybe they only hear a couple things. And you're right that there is that. But I think you can't escape the headlines are so blaring I don't think there's anybody who thinks that New York is the greatest, safest city in the world, uh, that they want to have people visit, that they're not worried about their own wallets. And I think the ones who do go out, even if they go four blocks, they go, Doc, Doc, and that's not a good place to live. Um, But powerful to hear your thoughts, Phil. We're going to continue your calls after the break.
0: The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: And we are talking about the debate with Lee Zeldin and Kathy Hochul, where she said, I don't know why you care so much about criminals being locked up. Wow, that is not a good one. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Eric, line three. Eric, your thoughts.
7: Hey, Rita. um, This is the banality of evil. This, she's bad. Bad news. She's bad news. And did you catch him where she goes? Oh, we're still we're still gathering that data. That's what she said when she first got in, basically about about the crime data. Oh, I don't. She said I don't go by public opinion or public pressure. I wait for the data. And here we are. How much? How much later? And she's saying the same thing. Um, it's really bad. It's really bad. I'm but I'm glad um, Lee brought up um, Jose Alba because they're gonna be more. They're gonna be more of them. They're gonna be more Jose Albas. Um, and you know, absolutely you and that's, that's of course,
1: himself? right. That's the bodega you know? guy who was defending himself. Yeah.
7: Yeah. yeah
3: you know, exactly. you it know
1: was interesting, Eric, too. She wouldn't say the name Alvin Bragg. It's like, she's allergic, you know, to, to, uh, to saying the word Alvin Bragg. Like she never got to like Alvin Bragg DA. She like, tr- it was like, Whoa, let's try to like stay away from there because she knew it was not going to be pretty. Um, and so like she kept trying to avoid it, avoid it, avoid it. And I thought even her response, I thought, was really tepid when she finally again got to it. And again, the headlines are saying it. Why is that so important to you, locking up criminals? That, to me, is absolutely damning, and it just shows an incredible disconnect. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about the Fetterman-Oz debate.
0: This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: And in tonight's support, our hero segment where we honor the great military members and also their families. A beautiful tribute coming from good old Nashville, Tennessee, which I love. You know, I went to college in the South, so you know I love the South. Well, in Nashville, Tennessee, the fourth annual Charlie Daniels Patriot Awards are set to honor At City Winery, a whole bunch of veterans, the Charlie Daniels Patriot Awards provides an opportunity to celebrate the U.S. military and the extraordinary individuals who have contributed to the Charlie Daniels Journey Home Project as it continues its sacred mission. Among those being honored, one veteran is World War II Navy veteran Matthias Gutman. Matthias Gutman came from a military family and he joined the U.S. Navy shortly after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. Also honored is a World War II Coast Guard veteran Gladys Hughes, who at a young age felt the call of duty and left college as a junior to enlist in the U.S. Coast Guard during World War II, serving as a medic. As for the Patriot Award, the award honors a person, persons, or group that fulfills and exemplifies the efforts and dedications of the Charlie Daniels Journey Home Project's purpose to continuously care, support, and encourage the men and women and families who have served our great nation. Charlie Daniels, of course, spearheaded this when he was alive. Of course, the great Charlie Daniels, the greatest country singer. I loved him with his great song, The Devil Went Down to Georgia, and so many other great tunes. Uh, Charlie was my friend. I adored him. He has been on the show many, many times with me on the air, and I miss him. He passed away, of course, in July 2020, and Charlie loved this country. He was one of the greatest patriots And I'm so happy that his legacy lives on through this incredible foundation, and they continue to honor other great Americans who have done so much and their families. So what a beautiful story. And we always love doing support, our heroes on the show, because we get to honor the best of America and our military and law enforcement. They are the best. Well, we're talking about the best. We might as well talk about the worst, uh, because the debate last night was probably one of the worst performances I've ever seen by a political candidate. I'm talking about the Fetterman-Oz debate for Senate in Pennsylvania. It's an open seat, and that's because Pat Toomey, who is the sitting Republican, he's retiring. He's not running again. Uh, It's a Republican seat, so that's why the Republicans want to keep it. That's why Oz is trying fighting tooth and nail to keep that seat red. Meantime the democrats are trying to flip it so they can try to solidify and stay in power in the senate um because it's right now razor thin as you know it's 50-50 and then kamala harris gets the uh, deciding vote of course everything's up for grabs in the midterms there's a couple key races like four or five that are really pivotal and pennsylvania is absolutely pivotal if the republicans can keep it it's a good sign for them for the rest of the night um and the rest of the other races And also helps within the state on other races if they lose it and it suddenly flips blue. That really helps the Democrats. So that's why huge money is going in to the Pennsylvania Senate race. And that's why the stakes are so high. And to me, it is astounding that there was a debate last night. I've covered so many different debates. I've moderated a lot of different debates. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my goodness, watching this debate where one of the candidates, Fetterman, Needed the closed captioning, couldn't even still respond, couldn't articulate answers, was caught contradicting himself. Forget about even the obvious health issues. He has some obvious policy issues where he wasn't even consistent on his own policies. We're going to get to that, too. There were so many layers to this debate. And I actually thought Oz was a gentleman. He's coming under fire from the left that he was like bullying Fetterman. you got to be kidding me. He barely even brought up anything related to his health because he didn't need to. If you have two eyes in your head, you just look right at it. And this guy clearly is not fit for office. He was so fumbly. He was so bumbly. He couldn't put a sentence together. And politics are obviously about policy, obviously about caring and service. I believe there's a lot of altruistic reasons. That's the reason you should get involved. Maybe a lot of them aren't, but that's the real reason they should get involved that they care about their state and their country. But you know what? You got to also be able to articulate your message. You got to galvanize people. You got to do rallies. You got to go out on the Senate floor and debate. This guy couldn't even get out a clear sentence, even at the beginning of the debate. The minute he started talking, I was like, oh my goodness, this guy is in trouble. And his wife should have said to him, you know what, honey? You know, I know you want to run. You're the lieutenant governor, but it's time to sit this one out for the good of the state and the good of the country. He was so awkward. He was so fumbly bumbly. He was juxtaposing his words. And all I kept thinking about is this is the improved version of him. Imagine what he was like before the primary because he had a stroke before the primary and his wife and he still decided to go forward with it. And he still won't release his medical records. To me, this is a travesty of justice to the American people. You know, he's got these wacky policies, but he can't even articulate them. And it was a disaster last night. And I thought, how is this guy going to be able to serve the good people of Pennsylvania? Even if there was a lot of things in his policy that I may not agree with, he can't communicate it. And that, to me, is not fair for the people of Pennsylvania. He clearly needs medical help. He doesn't need to be running for office, and that's why they kept him away. They purposely avoided a debate until the you know final hour. After so many people have already done early voting, how many of you are betting that there's people going? Ah, uh, can I retract my vote <laughs> after last night? Cause you thought they kept Joe Biden in the basement. This guy is in, uh, you know, the basement of the basement. I mean, he just could not articulate. If I were his people, I would just keep him off from and hope people didn't see that debate. Unfortunately, a lot of people are. A lot of people are doing play by play Uh, because it was just it was a shocking debate, and he was just so out of touch and incoherent and fumbly, bumbly, and just it was it was painful to watch. And I hope he gets help. With all due respect for him, I hope he gets help for his health. I hope he fully recuperates, but recuperating, you know, in front of the world, in front of Pennsylvania and in front of America, and then going and articulating your views in the Senate, where there's debate and articulation every single day you're talking and debating issues. This is going to be an enormous hindrance, and I don't think it's fair to the people of Pennsylvania. Come back when, you, you know, you, you feel like you, can, you don't need a closed caption. Come back at that point. Uh, but last night, I thought it was horrendous. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. one 800 848 Well, it began with just like an appalling statement. I thought, wait, 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 did I just hear that? You know, when he started the debate. This is Fetterman at the very beginning of the debate. Um, remember, it hasn't wrapped up yet. You know, when you see somebody you go, hey, good evening right that's typically the response i don't think i've ever run into somebody and said hey good night you know be like oh you leaving already you know but listen to fetterman how he kicked it off last night and it went downhill from here
9: hi good night everybody
1: what let's just play that again cuz it's hi. so remarkable.
9: good night everybody
1: good night everybody and at that moment i thought how is he going to make it through another 59 minutes and 59 seconds like this is trouble And then they asked him the obvious question. First, he did say it. He said it early on. You know, there's an elephant in the room. You know, there's an elephant. Let's get to it. You know, I had a stroke. I'm recuperating. That was smart of him to address it because it was so obvious. But then it got to, will you release your full medical records? He owes it to the people of Pennsylvania to see the full medical records, who, by the way, was written. The doctor is a donor of his, so you may not even be able to trust it. You know it's bad. When your donor, who is your doctor, you don't want to release the medical records, you can bet that he kind of swayed it because he's his donor. He loves Fetterman. So he probably leaned on it being sympathetic to him, and yet he still won't release the full medical records. So even a sympathetic butt-kissing donor – that even that medical record won't see the light of day. You know it's bad. You know it's bad. But here is what he had to say when he was asked about it.
0: Mr. Fetterman, will you pledge tonight to release those records in the interest of transparency? You have 60 seconds.
9: No, uh, uh, to me for transparency is about showing up. I'm here today to have a debate. I have, you know, spe- speeches in front of 3000 people in Montgomery County, you know, all across Pennsylvania, big, big crowds. You know, I believe if my doctor believes that I'm fit to serve and, and that's what I believe is appropriate, and now with two weeks before the election, you know, I have run a campaign and I've been very transparent about being very open about the fact we're in use captioning and I believe that again my doctors, the real doctors that I believe and they all believe that I'm ready to be served.
0: Follow up I didn't hear you say you would release your full medical records. Why not? You have thirty seconds.
9: No uh, yeah, Again, my Dr. L believes that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I'm standing.
1: My doctor believes I'm fit to be serving, and that's where I'm standing. Wow. So it was, in other words, I'm not going to release him. That, to me, is a huge issue. What if he could degrade after this? Can you imagine it being worse than that? How is he going to articulate his message? And then it got worse. This, to me, I think actually even beyond the health issues. And I want to hear from you if you think the health issues preclude him for running for office, if he is unfit for office based on that. This, to me, showed that he is basically a liar. And this, to me, I think, was just as damning as his health. Because this moment where, you know, he's now trying to be, this is the guy who wanted to let go of convicted criminals. And he still sort of stood by that last night. But then he said, he oh, he cares about victims of crime. I don't know if you do if you let go of convicted criminals, but that's a whole other issue. But then it got to the issue of fracking. He has said on multiple occasions that fracking is something he doesn't support. Well, last night, suddenly, like a lot of Democrats, they're having an epiphany in the last week and a half. As we've even seen from Governor Hochul, she does the, uh, you know, press conference with Eric Adams talking about subway crime as if it suddenly popped up a week and a half ago. What a surprise. Election Day is right around the corner. But here in his case, he is now trying to say that he's Mr. Fracker, that he supports the energy industry, which is a big issue across the country and certainly in Pennsylvania. And yet he got caught in his own lie. And this is where I said this moderator, this gal was great. She would not get him off the hook of the topic because the topic, he kept trying to meander and I stand where I'm standing and good night, everybody, and all that stuff, right? In the middle of all that. It was like, what? And he kept saying, I stand for fracking. And she's like, no, 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 no. You haven't been consistent on that. No, 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 no. You know, like he's like, no, 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 I'm a fracker. You know, his middle name is Frack, you know? But she wouldn't buy any of it, and she basically confronted him. And his not only was he caught lying, he was also caught so fumbly and bumbly, just from a physical standpoint. This to me was the moment he lost the debate.
9: I've I've always supported fracking, and I always believe that independence with our energy is is critical, and we can't be held, you know, you know ransom to somebody like Russia. You know, I've always believed that energy independence is critical and I've always believed that and I do support fracking I've never taken any money from their 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 industry but I support how critical it is that we produce our own energy and create energy independence. I must correct the uh, record. He uh,
3: just a second, Mr. Oz. I do want to clarify something. You're saying tonight that you support fracking, that you've always supported fracking. But there is that 2018 interview that you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. So how do you square the two? Oh.
9: Uh, I, I I do support fracking. and. I don't, I don't, I support fracking, and I stand, and I do support fracking.
1: Uh, 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 uh. That was painful. 1-800-848-9222. That, to me, was the worst moment, by far, by far. Here's a comment from Senator Pat Toomey. Again, he's the sitting senator. He's leaving, of course. He's the one who's opening the seat. He said Fetterman is not fit to take the role, that he knows all too well what it is. He's a sitting senator. This guy is not in a position to replace him. Take a listen.
0: I think most Pennsylvanians watching this, I mean, it it was sad. It was sad to see John Fetterman struggling and in such rough shape. I mean, honestly, this is a guy that really should be focused on trying to recover from what was obviously a horrific stroke. And uh, it was a painful and difficult uh, thing to watch. It was
1: painful and difficult to watch. So get this. The Philadelphia Inquirer opinion editors, you know, they commented after the debate who they thought won. Overwhelmingly, they picked Fetterman. I want to know whatever they're drinking. I want to double because that stuff is really strong. Let's go to J.C. in Pennsylvania. You are right there in P.A. J.C., your reaction to the debate?
10: Hi, Rita. First of all, you're right on with the moderators. Those should be the moderators that that moderate the national uh, events. I mean, they they put Chris Wallace to shame those people. They were great. I agree. They were great. Incredible. Um, So it's like this, Rita. Uh, There's a new breed of Democrats. They're called Stepford Democrats. And all they do is they re- just regurgitate the same answer over and over again, just like the Stepwood wives. But this thing with Fetterman, look I severely, severely—I I wouldn't say hate because I don't like to use the word hate, but I severely uh, disdain Fetterman for who he he is politically. He is the worst for Pennsylvania. He he counts that he's gotten murderers out of jail, and he wants to get at least. Uh, he wants it down to 30% all left in the jails. He wants to open the jails up and let these people out. This guy is a total, total loon. It's crazy. But as a human being, I thought that was very inhumane of his party and his wife. That was very painful, okay? Um, this is a man that had a stroke, okay? And you could see, if he ha- if he even got into this job... It would push him to the brink of having another stroke. It, you know, any medical doctor would, would would can see that. And you know what? I respect Oz because he didn't tout, he didn't actually push on the medical issues of his of his opponent. But however, with all that put aside, okay, John Fetterman had no answer for anything. Okay, John Fetterman has no plan. The only plan that John Fetterman has is to get criminals out of jail. You could tell anything he had. There was no substance. There was no plan. There was no roadmap.
1: Now, by the the way, by the way, JC, the one thing this is interesting, and I'm going to get your reaction to this, because the Fetterman team claims they have raised over one million dollars since that debate by pulling out this one line that he said from the debate last night. Um, take a listen, I'll get you to respond, J.C. This is where they think he scored points uh, with Pennsylvanians.
9: I believe abortion rights is a, a universal right for all women in America. I believe that it, I believe abortion is health care. And I believe that that is a choice that belongs with each woman and their doctor.
1: So, JC, his team was saying uh, privately, some of them, there were reports that at least people close to Fetterman were going, ouch, this was painful because it was so obvious. But yet, riding on abortion and just getting through it, I guess they think is enough that maybe he can still win, that he still won money because that seat is so valuable to the possible change of power uh, or maintenance of power for the Democrats um, and potentially change of power for the Republicans in the Senate. Your thoughts?
10: Uh, it's a lunacy. You know what it is? It's people that don't want to live up to responsibility, and they want the option of just being able to kill a baby because they can't be responsible. Um, so he's going to still get that vote, okay? But you know what? Oz didn't – he didn't say he was going to go full-on abortion – Um,
1: uh, No, he didn't. You're right. In fact, he he actually said that he just defers to the state and whatever the state is, um, that he would respect it. You know what I mean? He did. He actually, I thought, um, you know, seemed very sort of, you know, logical and moderate, um, you know, from a Republican standpoint. um, But they just feel like anyone who is not uh, Fetterman like on the view on their position um, is too far to the right, you know, and, and so they're just going to kind of keep hammering abortion, 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 Trump, Trump, Trump. Um, and and you saw me kind of try to associate Oz with Trump last night. That was the same thing Hochul was doing, but Hochul did it in a bigger, grander scale. But that's sort of their strategy and just hoping that they can just kind of ride it till Election Day and ignore crime, ignore economy Um, and other issues that Americans are deeply, deeply passionate
3: about. JC, thank you very much. We're going to continue with your calls after the break.
0: The Rita Cosby Show.
1: Is Fetterman fit for office? Let's go to Rob on line one. Rob, your thoughts.
4: Hi, Rita. Uh, yes, this is Rob from C Caucus. Uh, I'm a regular on the station these days, and when it comes to Fetterman, uh, does, does the United, did, did the American people realize that they're witnessing a, a, a phenomenon right now? We have gone from feckless politicians, which you could have witnessed back in oh sixteen, you, you saw the, the beginnings of it, and to, to uh, Candidates who appear to be on the spectrum, this 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 Federman would they be doing the world
6: a favor if they would jettison him into space? It's, 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 it's,
1: it's. <laughs> That's a good line, Rob, because he sure seemed like he was on another planet last night, not our planet. Great points. Rob, call back. You're great. Uh, let's go to Pete in Staten Island, who I actually saw today at the beautiful, beautiful mass honoring our beloved friend and colleague, Bernie McGurk. Go ahead, Pete. Great to meet you and meet your wife, too.
8: Yeah, Rita, that was a wonderful day. Uh, as a oh. tribute to Bernie and all the people around him that love him, us. And, you know, we're all going to meet someday, but let's hope it ain't too soon. But I'm going to look forward to meeting Bernie again.
1: Oh, I will. Thank And, Pete, I just want to yeah. say it meant so much To have folks like you who call into the show. I always love getting your calls and love hearing from Rob who just called in and everybody else who calls into the show. Um, And for you and your wife and our other listeners who came out today um, to embrace us on what was a very difficult day as we said goodbye. And, of course, with Bernie's family there, his beautiful wife and two kids It meant so much, and I had tears in my eyes seeing everybody. We love you. We appreciate you. And I'm broadcasting from the Bernie McGurk Studio.
0: The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.